Thank you, Meredith, and the choir for that beautiful music. And as the kids are exiting for Children's Church, I'm going to invite you to grab a Bible and open to the book of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 1. And as you're flipping there, I want you to know that my prayer for us, myself included, and you uh, today is the same as Paul's prayer in this passage that we're about to read. We're going to read Ephesians chapter 1. Verses 15 through 23. Now, as you find your way there, if you would please stand, as we like to do, just to express honor for God's word. If you're able, please do stand as we read Ephesians chapter 1, beginning at verse 15. The Apostle Paul writes, For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you. Remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. We're so grateful that we have God's word to study this morning. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. My prayer for you and for myself is the same as Paul's prayer for the people, the Christians in the church at Ephesus that he wrote this letter to. It's that the eyes of our hearts would be enlightened, like he says in verse 18. I really want this Easter for the eyes of our hearts to be enlightened. Have you, do you remember a while back magic eye pictures. They were popular a while back. I remember, the only one I really remember specifically was on a Dave Matthews Band CD cover. Do you remember these? It looks just like colored pixels, but if you stare at it long enough or just right, some image is supposed to appear. I was never able to do those things. I have never once seen the image in a magic eye thing. For all I know, it's a hoax, it's just a practical joke, and there is no image. Have you been able to successfully do the magic eye? Some of you? Okay. Well, congratulations. <laughs> Rub it in. I owned that Dave Matthews Band CD, and I never saw what was on the cover of it. I have no idea. But the reason I bring it up now is that's sort of what, what the gospel is like. Um, I know many of you have been to church on Easter many, 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 many times. And you may feel like my brother always did when we were kids. Uh, the sentiment you may feel is, why do we have to go hear the story again? I know what happened. He would say that every Christmas and Easter. And he's not here, so I can talk about him all I want. But the gospel is sort of like those magic eye pictures. You gaze at it, and you gaze at it. Maybe this is your 30th Easter, thinking about the gospel on Easter. And at some point, something kind of magical happens. And an image 
pops forth from the gospel more clearly than you've ever realized and you've ever noticed before. And it doesn't just enlighten your eyes. It's not just a neat visual picture. It enlightens the eyes of your heart, like Paul says here in verse 18. Your heart is the deepest part of you. In Proverbs, it says it's the wellspring of life. Everything about your life flows from your heart. So if we can look at the gospel this morning for a minute, and if God would be so gracious as to enlighten the eyes of our hearts, it could change everything about our entire lives. So my prayer is that three images would stand out to us this morning. It's the three things that Paul mentions after he mentions his hope for the eyes of our hearts to be enlightened. I pray that we will see, we will see hope, that we will see our inheritance, and that we will see power. So let's, I, let's ask God to reveal these things to us right now in prayer. Would you bow with me, please? Father, please now, through the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the power of this good news, the power of, of Jesus himself and of your word, enlighten the eyes of our hearts. Help us to see more clearly than we have ever seen before the hope that we have in Jesus the inheritance that we have in Jesus, and the power that we have in Jesus. It's in his precious name we pray. Amen. So first he mentions hope in the middle of verse 18. He says, Having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. Now my degree that I nearly finished before we started having children and moving, we had two kids and moved like five times within... I don't know, it felt like six months, but I know that's not physically possible. But before that, I was studying to get a master's degree in uh, a master's of divinity, and it had a focus in biblical counseling. So a lot of what I studied had to do with counseling people, couples, families. And I remember one thing that stood out in all my classes. All the professors would always hit on this. Make sure you tell people that there's hope. In whatever situation they come into your study with, there is hope. And, and if you can't get anything else across, make sure they know that there is hope. If they are completely riddled with emotional problems, depression and anxiety, and they don't even, emotionally they can't even tell which way's up, there's hope. If their family is completely just ripped apart and tied into a confusing knot that they cannot figure out, there's hope. There's always hope. And the closer you get to Jesus, the closer you get to hope. And it's, I want to make sure we're on the same page about what we mean by the word hope. I don't mean lottery ticket hope. I mean lunch this afternoon hope. Not lottery ticket hope, lunch this afternoon hope. There's a difference between the two. You go and buy a lottery ticket And I've never bought a lottery ticket. I don't know. You scratch something off, maybe. And when you're doing that, you're hoping that you win. And it's a wish against all the odds. You know you're probably not going to win. But there's hope. Maybe. Just maybe. That's not the kind of hope I'm talking about here. I'm talking about lunch this afternoon hope. Everybody in here is going to have lunch this afternoon. Unless you're fasting or something. On a crash diet, you're going to have lunch this afternoon. And that is the hope that will see you through this sermon, even though your stomach is growling. You know that there is a plate of food waiting for you. 
So even if you're starving right now, and if you weren't before I started talking about lunch, you are now. So your stomach is growling and you're trying to focus. Now imagine if there was no lunch waiting for you this afternoon, you had no food. That would make this experience very difficult. The hunger part of the experience. Hopefully my sermon is not that difficult. See, the certainty of it is what enables you to persevere. Now that's a small, silly little example, but that's the hope that we have in Christ. It's not wishing against the odds that something good might happen. It's certainty of what awaits us because of Jesus and the resurrection. And because of that certainty, we can persevere. You can persevere through anything when you have the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. That's why Paul said when we mourn, when we lose loved ones and we mourn, we don't mourn like people without hope. We mourn differently. It hurts. Life is hard. But we have hope. So you, whatever situation you walked in here with this morning, whatever turmoil, whatever pain, whatever burden, there is hope. Because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, I can tell you with absolute confidence, there is hope. And the closer you get to Jesus, the closer you get to your hope. The further away from Jesus you get, the closer you get to hopelessness. So there's hope in Jesus, and there is an inheritance in Jesus. Paul writes, Having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, and what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. Jesus, when he was on the earth, he had a strange effect on both poor people and rich people. I don't know which category you put yourself in. Most everybody thinks they're poor, but in America, really, we're all pretty darn rich. Jesus had a peculiar effect on both poor people and rich people. Poor people found solace. Rich people, when they encountered Jesus, found generosity. Poor people were able to loosen their grip on the things that they wanted, and rich people were able to loosen their grip on the things that they had. When people encounter Jesus, every time they loosen their grip on the temporary things of this world and they tighten their grip on the eternal things. They loosen their grip on the unimportant things, the lightweight things. They tighten their grip on the glorious, the weighty, the eternal things of God. And that's because due to the resurrection, we are promised that we too will live after we die. Not everyone believes that. But Christians believe that. So if there is a life after we die, a rich, full life after we die, we're not just living for here and now. So we don't have to cling so tightly to what we have here and now. We have a glorious, a weighty, and eternal inheritance. My family used to go to uh, Ocean Isle Beach Every summer, same house. And it was about, I lived out in Monroe. It was about a three-hour drive, maybe three and a half. And we would load up the minivan the night before. And I would make my spot in the back seat of that van. And I would have my pillow. I would have stuff to read, stuff to do. My Walkman, cassette tape player. That was a thing, young people. 
It was like five times the size of your iPod and did like .05 of the functions of your iPod. I had all my stuff. I had my snacks. I had everything set up for this long voyage to the beach, three hours. If you looked at my setup back there in the back of the van, you would have thought that that trip was all there was to it. That that's what we had gotten all excited about, that three-hour trip. But obviously there was more after that. See, many of us live our life like this is it. We stack our stuff around us. We accumulate our things. We attach all this value to these things that are just temporary. This is just the trip. The reality is to come. So you can loosen your grip on the things that you are holding on to so tight. We have a glorious, weighty, eternal inheritance because of Jesus Christ. And the closer you get to Jesus, the closer you get to these glorious, eternal things. The more you can let go of these lightweight, trivial things. So in Jesus, we have hope. We have an inheritance, a rich inheritance. And finally, we have power. Paul says, Having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him his head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Some of you may have seen or heard Jerry Seinfeld's bit about people's fears, that the number one fear is public speaking. Which means that if we were at a funeral, most people would rather be in the casket than the one dueling the eulogy. Which makes me the bravest man in this room right now. I like to point that out every time I mention that. This is difficult for us to grasp, but it's true. As Christians, we don't need to be afraid of anything. If this is true, if Jesus rose from the dead... And conquered even death. We don't have anything that we need to be afraid of. Not death, not any rule or authority or power or dominion. It doesn't matter who wins this election. It wouldn't matter if Hitler himself climbed up out of the grave and won the election. No rule, authority, or power or dominion need worry us. Because Jesus is above them all. No person says Jesus is above every name that is named. Some of you struggle with fear of man issues. You're constantly worried and tripped up by other people, what they did, what they think. You don't need to worry or fear any man. Because our Lord, our Savior, is higher than every man. We don't need to fear anything. He says there near the end, and he, the Father, put all things under Jesus' feet. How many things? All things. Most things? All things. 
All things are under his feet. God gave him his head over all things to the church. The closer you get to Jesus, the closer you get to transcendent power. Power that enables you to transcend any fear and any trouble. The further away from Jesus you get, the weaker you become. And people knew that too. When he was on the earth, when he walked on the earth, people were drawn to him. And they would flock to him. Strong men would flock to Jesus and they would become like little children. Because around him you knew that he was the powerful one. He had it under control. He could calm a storm with his words. That's our Jesus. That's who we celebrate. The closer you get to him, the closer you are to hope, the closer you are to your rich and glorious inheritance, the closer you are to transcendent power. And this Easter, very simply, I just, I implore you, get close to Jesus. I implore you, stay close to Jesus. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for Jesus Christ. Help us to see how practically, tangibly, really, to get close to him and stay close to him and follow him and trust him and believe him. Lord, I pray that this hope and this inheritance and this power that we have in him would change our lives, would change our families, would change generations of our families. Lord, I love the people that you brought here this morning. I know you love them infinitely more than I'm capable of. Won't you please do it? Won't you please reveal to the eyes of our heart Jesus? I trust you with that. In Jesus' name, amen.